So if you want to grab your Bibles, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6, really looking at one verse, but I'm going to read several. And before I do that, I just want to tell you why we, why we do Sunday school. Um, I, I love that announcement from John this morning, but why, why we do Sunday school, it's actually the same reason why when I come up here every Sunday morning, I say, open your Bibles. It's because we have a firm belief in the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that the Scriptures are sufficient. Um, And for us to really benefit from that sufficiency, we have to know it. You know, we have to know the Word of God so that we can apply it to our lives. So that we can apply it in some of life's hardest times. Um, A brother shared this morning during Sunday school, which was awesome this morning, by the way. You should really come to that at 9 a.m. But he, he spoke about how, you know, when he heard... Um, the, the, the tragic news that Jed and Whitney have lost their daughter, uh, that his first thought was, words fail. Words fail. And you know, there's some truth to that. Lots of words fail. Our words fail. But the word never fails. You know, the word of God never fails. If it did, we'd have no hope for Jed and Whitney right now. We'd have no comfort for them, no encouragement. But the word of God never fails. It is absolutely sufficient for everything we need. God is faithful like we just joyfully sang together. And his word is sufficient for us and for our needs. Let us continue to lift up Jed and Whitney this week in these months to come. Uh, You can be praying also for a group of people who have come, who went there. They're coming back today to be at the funeral, which was yesterday. Uh, they live streamed that and they also preserved the recording. So if you'd like to see that, you can. It was very honoring to God, very glorifying. All right, so today we are in Matthew 6 and our passage again is verse 11, but I'm gonna read the Lord's Prayer again. We won't get tired of this. Maybe we'll memorize it as we go here. A uh, couple more weeks in this awesome passage. But So let me read to you Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray again. Oh Lord, your, your word is sufficient for us, and we stand upon it. We cling to it. We cling to it when the sun is shining and all is well, and we cling to it when our hearts are broken. We sing of your faithfulness when we see it, and we see it all the time, and we see it in your word. Lord, we just, again, as a church body and in one accord, lift up Jed and Whitney Rice to you. We pray for them and we pray for your grace to the, for them today, that they would feel your comfort. They'd, they'd know where they can turn and trust. And we pray for these weeks ahead as they endure the hard valley, the dark valley of mourning. Lord, I pray that you would continue your work in our lives, teaching us how to come to you, teaching us how to pray. I pray this morning you would teach us very specifically what it means to depend on you for our daily needs. 
And Lord, I again, thank you for your faithfulness. You are so, so faithful. You never let us down. You don't owe us a thing. And yet you so richly provide for us and take care of us. Lord, I pray that we would learn to put that into articulation in the way that we come to you. We would pray for our daily needs. We would declare with our prayer that we need you. Teach us to pray. Use this in our lives to teach us to pray. May we just be a people who are so done with the shallow prayerlessness that so describes Christianity in the modern world. We want to be a people who come to you knowing that we need you and that we cannot do this without you. So Lord, I pray that you give us this day our daily bread right now, the bread of your word as we break it together. And help me, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Frank Baum wrote a children's novel in 1900 that was a smash hit. Uh, it was later turned into a movie. Uh, since then, I think it's been like adapted into movies like a dozen times. Anyone know the title? Well, let me, let me describe it for you. A young woman in Kansas and her dog Toto swept away by a tornado to the magical land of Oz, and that created a big need for her. I need to go home. She needed to get home. So she went on a journey following the yellow brick road, looking for help. Along the way, she met some other people, uh, that she, and she began to travel with them, other characters who had big needs. So you had the Tin Woodman, a.k.a. the Tin Man, and then there was the Scarecrow, and then there was the Lion. And so these all started traveling together. And they all needed help. Dorothy, like I said, needed to go home. The Tin Man needed a heart. Scarecrow needed a brain. <laughs> and the lion needed courage. And seeking that help, they were on their way down this yellow brick road to see the wizard. That's, that was their idea, that he would, he would help them. There's a lot to this story. Um, but I'd like to just highlight one of the central themes. After a lot of craziness, they found, they found out by accident accident that the wizard of Oz was a fraud. Do you remember the story? He was a, a complete fraud. They trip over, the, you know, he's exposed. It's all screens and machines and stuff. Just an ordinary guy from Omaha, of all places. <laughs> and he couldn't really help anyone. He, he was promising them help, but giving them, you know, like what, silk and bran and pins and needles and calling them brains and hearts. And he couldn't help anyone. And that was discouraging for them to discover. But the happy news is that they all realized all, that all along they had inside of them what they needed. They just needed to look inside. So lion could be brave. Ten men could think. Scarecrow, I mean, scarecrow could think. Ten men could love. Dorothy had the power with her all of the time to go home. She just didn't know it. They just, they didn't know that they had this power inside of them. They needed to look inside. It's all they needed. The help was there all the time. I don't know that Baum was thinking theologically or if he was just writing a lame children's story, but I, maybe you liked it. If that was terrible to say it was lame, but it's kind of lame. Anyway, the message embedded in that story is the gospel of our age. 
And sadly, the gospel is preached all over Christianity today. You have what you need. Your job is not to look outside of yourself to someone else. Your job is to look inside and figure out how to tap what you already have so that you can do what you need to do. That's the gospel of our age. The gospel of our age. It's no gospel, but that's the gospel of our age. People like me who oppose that have have termed it the the self-help gospel. It's not new. It's not new. It's nothing new. It's not just our modern age. Satan has been peddling this lie since the Garden of Eden. You don't need God. You can be like him. Just look inside. You need yourself. You can take matters into your own hands. You can help yourself. Just take control. Pull up your bootstraps. You got this. This is the natural thought of man. Fallen man anyway. It's, it's you're independent. Independence from God. Of course, the true gospel is nothing like that, right? The true gospel is nothing like that. We're, we're not called to look inside for help and there's no help to be found there anyway. Even the language of the gospel shows that we cannot help ourselves. We preach, look to Christ and be saved, right? That's the language of the gospel. Look to Jesus, look away from yourself, your good works, all of that. Look to Christ and be saved. We need saving. We need help. We need God. We can't look inside of ourselves. We must look with joyful dependence on our heavenly father. Friends, we, we just can't do this alone. We, de- we need God's provision. And in this model prayer, we can see that really plainly. In verse 11, what we're focusing on this morning. It's our prayer expression of our daily dependence on God. And it is so good for us. And you know why? Because God is a good provider. He is a good provider. We never accidentally find out that he's all screens and machines and fakery and some guy from Omaha. He is God, a benevolent father who gives good gifts to his children. We depend on him. And the good news is we can. We can depend on him. He is dependable. As we continue our journey through this prayer, our goal remains that we would learn how to pray. This is what Jesus is doing in these verses. He's teaching us how to pray. This, this, the Lord's prayer is the Lord's lesson to us on praying. And that's what we, we want to learn. This is our goal. We want to learn. We've spent some time these weeks trying to learn how to pray. And we, we've already covered the first three petitions of this prayer. So hallowed be your name. And in that hallowed be your name, we're asking that God, our first request is that God would make his own name holy and revered by me and by others, by this world, by everyone in the world. Hallowed be your name. May your name be revered. And then we pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where we were last week. And that, the, the, those Godward petitions, they orientate our heart and our prayer. And that's, you know, that, that those last two, they derive from a faith that says, you know what you're doing, God. You know what you're doing. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. I don't know how to navigate this future, but you do. Your will be done. I trust in you. Orientates our hearts by faith. Let your will be done. And today we're on petition number four. And it's a petition generally asking God to meet our needs. It's plain right there, right? It's easy to understand. Meet our needs. 
I've mentioned this quote already. I'm, I'm not sure who said it first, but prayerlessness is man's declaration of independence from God. You know, if you don't pray, you basically declare, I don't need God. I know you won't say that, right? Because you're, you don't want to say that. You don't want to get on God's bad side or whatever. But when you do not pray, that's what you say. I don't need God. It's your declaration of independence. What we want to do today is to learn how to joyfully declare our dependence on him every day. When we, we declare something, when we pray, every day by prayer, we declare our dependence. We need you, Father. That dependence is clearly expressed in these last three petitions that, that come after this. God, give us this day our daily bread. That's clear. That's where we're going to spend some time pressing into this morning. Next week, we'll consider the next phrase, forgive us our debts. Another great need that we have before God. Forgive us our debts. And Sam Parker will walk us through that. Why we need forgiveness. What that means for us. Then in a couple of weeks, Lord willing, we'll hit verse 13 in the final petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our need of God to help us battle sin. The thing in common with all these requests is that they all show us how much we need our Heavenly Father. And so today, we're just pressing into verse 11. And to do that well, I think what I'll do is I'll just kind of highlight every word of verse 11. It's all good here for us. Give us this day our daily bread. And may the Lord use this close look at his word today to help us see our need and grow in our desire and our practice of declaring our dependence on God looking to him, not ourselves, for what we need to survive and to thrive in this world. So let's just go with the first two words here, give us. You know what that request like implies, give us, the way that that's said? He's not saying pay us, right? He's saying give us. It implies grace. The request implies God's, that God's daily provision, his sustenance from us, or our sustenance in general, is a gift from God. We are asking for him to give us something. Our provision is by God's grace. You know, God does not owe us anything. I mean, we're so entitled. We're, we're such an entitled people. We think God owes us everything. He doesn't owe you anything. But yet, he provides for us, and his provision is abundant and free. He is so good to us. He doesn't owe us, but he gives it to us. And that's called grace. This is a request that God continue today to show us his kindness by providing for our needs. You know, that, that's why you can't boast about anything. There's, there's no boasting. There's, you can't be proud. To be proud is to be blind. You know why you can't... You can't, you, you can't be proud over like your money or your station in life or your education or the things you've accomplished. You can't be proud of any of it. You know why? It is all ultimately owing to God's kindness. We can't boast about anything. We can't be proud. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, what, did, what, what, did you, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? We're praying that God would give it to us so we could receive it. We, we can't boast. There's no boasting. Everything, our provision, it's a gift. It's not earned. Now, I'm not saying we don't work for things. I'm not saying we don't work hard. Or that God doesn't use ordinary means like employment and education and diligent hard work to provide for us. He does. But ultimately, all that we have is from the Lord. 
And it's not hard to see that if we just lay aside our pride for a moment. Our pride gets in the way, right? Because our pride says, I did that. You see all that? I did, I built that. I earned that. That's what our pride says. And we think it's all because of our hard work. And yes, it is. And no, it's not. Yes, God has called us to work. And work normally does lead to flourishing. Just spend a summer reading Proverbs like I did last summer. And you'll see that. Laziness tends towards poverty. Work, hard work tends towards flourishing. That's a truth in the scriptures. But consider this, friends. There are lots of people in this world who toil every day as hard or harder than you do and don't have what you have. Just travel outside of the Western world and you will see that. God does call us to work and work hard and God does bless us through that work. He does provide for us through that, but ultimately everything we have is because God is kind to us. All of our provision is because of God's grace. And so when we humbly and joyfully pray, give us this day our daily bread, embedded in the petition itself is the acknowledgement that we are desperate. We, We need his grace. We need his grace in our lives. We need his kindness. The next part is this day. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus helps us understand why he said this day there in Matthew 6, 11. In, in Matthew 6, 34, he kind of explains this. He says, do not be anxious. First, let's, you just flip over there. Matthew 6, 34 says, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God wants us to live our lives today in dependence on him, to cultivate a daily sense of our need of him. We should pray this day. We, we don't know what tomorrow or next week or 2023 holds for us. We don't get to find that out either. I mean, you want to, I do, right? Like what's next year gonna look like? We don't know. And God wants us to humbly walk with him each day. If you're like me, most, most of your fretting most of your anxiousness, most of your anxiety, most of your stress, most of your worry has nothing to do with today. You know what I mean? We, 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 you might stress about something later on today or whatever, but most of our stressing and fretting is about something in the future. It hasn't happened yet. We fret over what might happen, what possible, when this possible outcome happens or that possible outcome happens or that day finally comes. We worry about tomorrow, not today. We worry about what might be or what could be, not what is. You might've heard that famous quote by the French philosopher, Michel de Montaigne. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He says, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. Does that describe any of you? Any of the ways you worry about tomorrow or next week or next year? Friends, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's not possible to wrap your mind around the whole of what's to come in your life, the the, the entirety of it. It's just not possible. You don't know. Too many unknowns. You're not called to do that. You're called day by day to trust in God. Give us this day our daily bread. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. And, and speaking of daily sufficiency, God's grace for each day is sufficient. You, you can see that here too. Look at the, the bread he gives us is our daily bread. Don't miss that he's mentioned daily twice in this passage. Short verse. 
God gives us this day what we need daily. There's a wonderful picture in the Old Testament of this in action. God providing for his people, Israel, while they were in the wilderness. In fact, I think Matthew 6.11 is worded in such a way that makes our minds go there. Everybody who writes on this goes there. You, you kind of have to go there um, because it reminds us, we're reminded of this. When God took care of his people each day with daily bread. Maybe you should go read Exodus 16, for example. It's a few different places, but Exodus 16 describes it. I'll just read one verse from that chapter and then kind of set it up. Exodus 16.4 says, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day and that, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. I mean, it's really hard to imagine what that was like, but every day, well, I mean, if you go on to read this, six days a week, not on the Sabbath, God provided miraculous bread from heaven. And from what we can tell, it tasted awesome. I mean, I, the way they first described it was like wafers made with honey. Not bacon, but pretty close, right? <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, I'm bad it was the best thing ever. Of course, they grew tired of it in the way that our hearts consistently grow unsatisfied with things, right? They grew tired of it and complained, but it was good. It was a good provision. God's provision is good, and it was daily. They, they called it manna. You know what that means? It basically means, like, what is it? Like, they didn't know what it was. They looked at it, it was, you know, it would be on the ground in the morning and they'd be like, what is this? What, what is it? Well, we'll just call it that. So they ate manna. They were to gather it day by day and they, they were to eat each day what they gathered that day. So they'd go out and they'd gather it and that's the day that they would eat that provision. It was daily bread. If they tried to save some, they did this from time to time. If they tried to save some for the next day, it would spoil and get wormy and stink. This is a miraculous thing. God was saying, no, this is for today, not tomorrow. Don't try to save it. Live on it today. That was the point. It's not tomorrow's provision, it's today's. The exception was that on the Sabbath, they could gather, the day before the Sabbath, they could gather two days worth, right? And that night, miraculously, it wouldn't get worms or stink or whatever. They could save it. This was God's very clear provision for them that they were to trust in him every day. Now, it's an absolute historical reality. It's really what happened. It's how God graciously provided for his people for 40 long years in the wilderness. It really happened. But it was, it's recorded here for us, though, as a picture so that we would understand that God provides for his people today. In the everyday sense and even in the ultimate sense. Day by day, he gives us manna. Each day, the manna that God gives is enough. We shouldn't just try to, and, and you know, it, it, it doesn't keep. He'll give you new mercies tomorrow. You don't live on yesterday's grace. You live on today's grace. So we should pray for God's provision each day. Give us this day our daily bread. We need his grace today. Each day's grace is sufficient for each day's trouble. And then the word bread is the last word in our sentence. Interesting that he used that word. Like, give us this day our daily bread. What do you think the point of saying bread is? Of course, bread is and was a staple. It's a primary food people have eaten throughout history. It's simple, sometimes more elaborate, sometimes made more tasty. Sometimes it's simply a food to survive with. Sometimes it's special, sometimes not. Bread is bread. What does bread represent, though? I mean, obviously, he's not just praying, like, give us today whole wheat bread. 
Interestingly, the early church fathers, the, the, the early leaders of the church, um, really struggle with this. They thought it was way too materialistic to just pray for your bread, pray for your daily needs, okay? So they quickly spiritualized it. Fathers like Augustine actually skipped over the physical provision of literal bread, like what, what that actually represents in physical needs, meeting physical needs, and he focused on our spiritual needs. They thought this was simply a way of praying for our spiritual needs. So which is it? Does the bread represent spiritual or material needs? And of course the answer is yes. Right? Both. When Luther and Calvin came along, they pushed back on the way that people like Augustine had read this verse. Luther said that the bread in 611 represents, quote, everything necessary for the preservation of this life, like food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. End quote. I think he was right. God has designed us to need material things. And so he desires that we would be dependent on him daily for those material things. So give us this day our daily bread. You know, you remember this is a template. We import what's going on in our lives. So give us this day our daily bread. Might for you mean, Lord, would you help me today on this exam that I have to take? Father, would you, would you help me get the medicine I need? Would you help me get my tractor running today so I can finish the harvest? I, I, you know, while I was working on this on Thursday, I prayed, Lord, help me today to get this sermon done. Please provide for me so I can pay my rent. It could be anything like that. It's physical needs. We're to seek God and trust him and pray to him for our material needs. Our material well-being is not immaterial. And God wants us to seek him and depend on him for those things day by day. But of course, it's not only material. And we're not only material. There's no reason to put this bread in a box, as it were, and say that it only has to do with material. Just as relevant as our material needs are our spiritual needs. And give us this day our daily bread represents those needs too. So praying, give us this day our daily bread could be phrased as, Lord, help me find satisfaction in you today. Help me to love you above all things. Help me in my Bible reading today so that I would, I, I would be present there and I'd, I'd, I'd want to hear from you. Help me in my loneliness. Help me with my discouragement. Help me with this nagging doubt I've been wrestling with. With all my heart, I believe that give us this day our daily bread means praying holistically for our needs. All of our needs, spiritual and material. It is our radical, joyful declaration of our dependence on God. It's us rejecting the poet, William Henley, what he said in Evictus, when he said, I am the master of my fate and the captain of my soul. It, this is our rejection of that lie. We're not that. We're not the captains of our fate or the master, or the captains of our, how's it go? Masters of our fate and the captains of our soul. We're not independent. Henley was not independent. He thought he was, but he wasn't. He was not the master of his fate. He wasn't the captain of his soul. He was a dependent creature like me and like you. And his every provision, right down to his need for the heart in his chest to keep beating and for air to breathe, came from God. He just didn't know it. And he said false things about it. And that's true of all of us. Some of us, by God's grace, have realized it. And we pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
And that means praying for our physical needs and our spiritual needs and the greatest needs we have, indeed the greatest need we have. There is a bread that we need to eat or we will starve forever. We confuse that bread for so many other things. We, we, we try to fill up our tummies on so many other false breads, but we need this bread or we will starve. Do you remember when Jesus fed this massive crowd with a small amount of food? 5,000 people, a few loaves, a few fish. Well, those people began to follow Jesus because they thought that they could use a leader who would provide like that, right? You could just see what they were thinking. Man, he can give us bread. He should be our leader, a leader that would keep them from hunger. And when they caught up to him, Jesus tried to help them see that the bread that they really need and ultimately need is him. It's a long passage, but let me read it to you. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 26 through 35. It says, Jesus answered to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe, that you believe in him whom he sent. So they said to him, what sign do you perform? What sign do you do that we may see you and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the true spiritual bread. He meets our greatest need and he satisfies us forever. You never hunger again. Friends, the truth here is massive. We depend on God for everything, all of our needs, material and spiritual. And God's provision for us is sufficient and that's true about the small things. And it's true about the massive things. That's true about the ultimate need that we have. God has provided bread. And when we eat that bread, we are satisfied in him forever. This is the good news that our father has sent the son of God into the world to be our bread. The bread that we need most. And be that for us forever. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross as a substitute for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins in full. Jesus paid for our sins with his body and his blood and he rose again, triumphing over death. And everyone who eats that bread, everyone who believes in Jesus will never hunger again. All of our needs, including our ultimate need, are met in God we don't look inside for that. We don't look inside for that. We look to Jesus Christ. If you're not looking to him today, I want to invite you to turn to Christ. I think that if you're honest with yourself, you really are hungry. We all are starving. 
And you probably have gone a lot of places to try to satisfy that hunger. They will all fail you except for Jesus. He will satisfy you. Jesus is satisfying. He is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will not hunger. All right, so we've covered most of the major, most of the words of this verse, Matthew 6 and Matthew 6, 11 here, but there are still two words that need our attention. Jesus said to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Not merely give me this day my daily bread. This tells us that in verse 11, all of this prayer is not just about praying for our own individual needs. It is that, but it's more than that. It's also about praying for one another. Me praying that God would give us our daily bread is me praying that God would provide for you. And you praying for me that way, it's us praying for our needs together. All of us are needy for God's grace daily. So we pray for one another daily. This is how we pray for one another. We, we pray, Lord, would you meet their needs Would you give them their daily bread? We are called to pray for one another and and with one another as often as we can gather. We're called to that. This is our collective declaration of dependence on the Father who is in heaven. And we do that together. We come together recognizing our need together of God. Friends, we have real needs and we do not have what it takes to Get, get it all right in this journey of ours. We're not independent. We're not the masters of our fate. We're not the captains of our souls. We must turn to God by faith and seek him for our daily physical bread. Turn to him for your needs day by day. And there is grace each day for each need. We can trust him. We don't have to worry. We can trust God. He does provide Each day's trouble is met with a sufficient serving of grace for that day. We must seek him for our daily spiritual bread too, trusting in him every day to provide all that we need and ultimately trusting him for the bread that never fails to satisfy us. Jesus is the true bread. He is so good. The bread he provides is good and satisfying and enough. It is sufficient. We can trust him. You, you can trust him. It's time for us to stop acting like we don't need God in our lives. It's folly. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It is folly to live your life like you do not need God. It's time for us to stop acting that way and declare joyfully our dependence on our heavenly father. So father, we come to you this morning praying that you would do more than just help us to know these things. We pray, Father, that you would help us to live them out. Show us if that's what it takes. Show us that we need you. Show us that we can do nothing without you. And help us to daily trust in you. And Lord, we thank you. We we praise you. We worship you for your sufficient grace to us. For that bread that we eat that is eternally satisfying. In Jesus' name, amen.